from the Dumb and Awful. This is Brett at Relentless Board. This is Rob at Dumb and Awful. Uh, this is Brad at Fizz for Shizzle. Name sucks. Your name sucks. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> and this is Mason at Zizek Thotty. See how he does it? Be more like Mason. <laughs> <laughs> As a quick overview, uh, lots of life changes going on. Um, I am moving to New York, living with Rob. So I spent the last like two weeks there uh, hustling to find a fucking apartment, which was one of the more miserable experiences of my life. Uh, but we did find a place. It's fucking awesome. The neighborhood's fucking awesome. It's Kensington, which uh, seems like it's super far away. Uh, but it's amazing. The It's like all tree-lined streets, which as a non-New Yorker to me is wonderful because that's not what I expect in New York. It's actually quiet. Again, wonderful. Not what I expect. Hyper, hyper diverse. Um, everyone is here. I mean, everyone is seriously. here. Just hanging out and friendly too. Like you just walk down the street and like I went to the, there is a Pakistani food street fair today. And just walking Man. down there, three people are just like waving at me from the porch like, Hello there. Like little kids are looking at me like, what the fuck is that? That's not in my zoo books. It, <laughs> it's just a positive vibe. It's it's so much better than like Williamsburg. What's the uh, Polish population there? Uh, there's not many, but there's a few. They um, do exist. We've yeah, seen yeah, a few. Exists. Everyone is here. <laughs> yep. Huge Persian community here. I, I went out I went out the other night at like two AM and bunch of halal places open. They were all broadcasting the Ayatollah's speech. It's like, word, <laughs> shut up. And Brett, you've made a lot of uh, really impressive um, progress with your weight loss battle. But if you've got all that uh, Donner kebab around you, I think you're completely fucked. No, he's, he's fucking sorry. done. I, I thought yeah. there was hope when he got sick for so many days, but it's like God gave him a gift and he just threw it in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> I love getting food poisoning and instantly thinking, damn, it's skinny bitch hours. Look, we've all seen Devil Wears Prada. Uh, a great documentary. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I've been working on that. Uh, then I, I Right after we got it, we moved for up shit. I immediately got sick as fuck. So I've just been recovering the last few days. Now I'm back in Denver, getting ready to get the rest of my shit, drive cross country. And so... This will be the last main episode I do in Denver. From here on out, we'll be in person, me and Rob. Uh, so on this cross-country road trip, I'm going to make a few stops, and I'm going to hang out with uh, the Mark's Madness pod peep. Oh, people. hell yeah. And, uh, yeah. I didn't realize they were in St. Louis, um, which is great. That's super convenient. I didn't realize and you had it in you to go, like, you had the confidence to go for peep. You pulled it back at the last second, but <laughs> you should have just committed. I was fine with it. I think all of us were ready to yeah. let it pass. <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't fine with it. Uh, and mandatory OT as well. Looking forward to that. So I will be uh, hanging out with some comrades along along the journey this time. Yeah, Mark's Madness Pod is really, really good. If anyone yeah. listening to this hasn't listened to them yet, go do it. It's a little more intellectual than this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart, well, huh? We're, we're fixing it. Mark's Madness is coming on here in a couple weeks to uh, explain books to us so we don't have to read them. Yes. So if, if you like want to listen to Mark's Madness, but you're like, wait a second, what is ma ma dialectic? I don't know what any of this means. Just, you know, definitely listen to Mark's Madness, you know, because they're good. But you could also check in with us and see which books are actually worth reading if you really have to do it. Because they're absolutely going to give us a dumbed-down version of several things. 
Yeah, but that's all I need. I Give me like the basic book report and I can be like, that's lame. Or like, hey, that sounds good. And then I can pursue it on my own. Realistically, am I going to? No. But it'll be enough to bring up in conversations and make it seem like I've read the book. Ten linens of wool and how you convert that into labor. Is that not interesting to you? Do you not want to do that for ten hours? It's funny because Mark's madness is like predisposed to be able to get through that stuff. And he's reading uh, the bread book right now. <laughs> and even even he is like, I, I can't do it, man. This is <laughs> it's rough. <laughs> so we really never we never stood a chance no uh so i'll be visiting mark's madness and my tournament on the way to new york this next week um and so the other big thing that happened is the uh climate protest was yesterday uh i quit my job at the same time yay as part of the climate protest right correct <laughs> it was all very intentional. That's uh, such commitment to the cause, man. Not only are you taking the day off, you're taking the career off. That's the ultimate yeah. strike. Uh, so I was. I, I used to work for Deloitte, for those who didn't know. That's the consulting <laughs> company I've been working for. Brad, I think like th three or four bonuses ago, we were doing a live stream, and you did a riff about Deloitte. Like, you just picked like some random evil company, you just said Deloitte, and I was like, oh, this is awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Brett's like, ha, 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 yeah, those guys suck. <laughs> Gulag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're one of the uh the big four right yeah they're one of the big four they're so so the big four is describing accounting firms just now they all also have consulting right so it used to be big five back when arthur anderson existed before they collapsed rip yeah um or at least this is my understanding explained to me by my mom who's a fucking accountant um so it's, it's your mom the is big a fucking accountant yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Damn, that was really aggressive <laughs> Fucking mom doing my math. slut of a mom is a fucking accountant. <laughs> all right, buddy. Uh, but yeah, so they're, they're all big accounting firms that have consulting arms, which is why I was in the consulting side. Um, what kind so of consulting were you doing? I was doing government consulting. Uh, so I started doing federal consulting and then I switched over doing state. That's when I was doing state stuff was all the cannabis stuff I was doing which was largely going to states and helping them figure out how to do regulatory. They have no fucking clue what they're doing. No, they don't. They really don't. <laughs> I want. I really want to throw out to North Carolina here, uh, as shitty as things are right now, is that in North Carolina, the liquor stores are all run through the state. They're called ABC stores. Yeah, the ABC stores. Yeah. <laughs> and they have gone ahead and outfitted all of their storage houses to um, have extra space for when marijuana is finally legalized in North That's Carolina. Smart. Now, of course, like we're gonna, there's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna require a couple of plane crashes for us to get that uh, majority in Raleigh. But um, <laughs> once it is, like all of the infrastructure is there in North Carolina, just ready to go because everything east of like the the triangle is just like pot growing central USA. Oh, yeah. It'll be amazing for this fucking shit state. As long as we just do it. Wait, is there an expectation that there's going to be a ballot measure soon for uh, legalization in North Carolina? Legalization in North Carolina polls at a, like consistently at about seventy percent. That's what it polls at in every single state. And yeah. at this at this point, like it's the, it just keeps coming up constantly and constantly and constantly. And it's the the state's so gerrymandered; it's very difficult to say what is and isn't going to happen politically just because of what's going on. Uh, Asheville, for example, has completely decriminalized it. You cannot get in trouble for smoking weed in that town. Um, then the states like Charlotte and Raleigh and the research triangle will do, you know, similar things. And eventually it's just going to happen. Um, but you think about Eastern North Carolina, which was nothing but tobacco for, you know, generations. 
Uh, man, weed grows real good in that yeah. climate. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> so it's, there's it's, your there's your there's your teacher raises. There's your infrastructure projects. There's your rebuilding the coastline after the next hurricane. It's so fucking it. simple. They should at least be aggressively going after hemp because hemp's legal now. But that's another thing every state because so. When we fucking do cannabis, Tennessee we also is doing hemp. Fucking I know. Tennessee. Well, it's legal. It's federally legal. So now it's on each state to figure out how to regulate it. Right. The, the government just went, it's legal. Figure it the fuck out state by state. And so some states are like flipping their shit and they don't know what to do. And a lot of them are states where it would be a massive cash crop. Like, this is so good for your farmers. Grow it. Didn't Ohio accidentally legalize weed briefly? Texas of, has done it yes. and Ohio has done it. And they've both like. Yeah, it's just because the 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 standard of possession you have to have or have in you can't be tested by their equipment or something like that. <laughs> yeah, they literally can't test to determine because so hemp and weed are the same plant, right? It's just the the, yeah. the amount of THC that's in it. That's all that really changes it. Uh, that's a really hard thing to just test on the side of the road, right? Like how much THC is in this fucking nah, bag? Bro, of- nah, bro. The cops smelled it. The cops <laughs> smelled it, and now. You just also resisted arrest, and <laughs> you're also yeah. <laughs> also like that's not necessarily true because I mean yes, cops will definitely use the ambiguity to abuse things, but there are some empirical tests that aren't super hard to do roadside. Like, um, for example, I got pulled over the other day, and you know, like I I know what to do. I put my hands on the wheel. I I splay my fingers. You try to put the cop at ease because like, I don't want to deal with any of this. But I guess he still like looked at me and was like, this guy's suspect. So he brought over a little Bluetooth speaker and he played me like the first three songs of the latest Mars Volta album. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, what do you think about this? And I was like, I don't really get it. And he was like, all right, you're free to go. Just be more careful. <laughs> yeah, so it's... uh. It is a super chaotic process. Every state does it a little differently, um, which makes it confusing, which also makes the consulting services valuable for them. Um, but that, so that's what I was doing for the last little bit. I'll do a, a we'll do a more of a, the, the cannabis side thing at some point in the future. So that's what I was doing for the second half. The first half I was at Deloitte, I was doing federal consulting, which is incredibly, incredibly boring. What are you actually doing from nine to five? Because I watched House of Lies and it had Don Cheadle and that guy from Parks and Rec. And it seemed like you guys had a a fun time. Uh, So federal consulting, that's commercial consulting. So there's a big thing in the consulting world where like Deloitte is considered fairly prestigious for consulting. But the real top end shit is doing commercial, right? Private companies. Federal is considered like an also ran to the point that all the super privileged kids who try to get into consulting, which is that it's like the go-to path. If you're an Ivy leaguer, I worked with mostly Ivy league kids. The federal side is the like, Oh, this is, this is disappointing. Like I'm getting the shitty version, right? It's like B squad is how they look at it. So federal, you get less Ivy league people. Thank God. Just government consulting in general, you get less Ivy league people and you get more bleeding heart types. Um, there's a lot of people with MPPs, uh, masters of uh, public policy doing government consulting that's a you know people who want to save the world or help the government uh give up because they have too many student loans so they do consulting instead it's a a good ass system but so federal consulting the way it operates is occasionally the federal government brings you in to do temporary things but usually it's giant agencies who can't figure out how to fuck to hire certain people 
right? They're like, oh, we have these positions, but we literally can't get anybody qualified to apply. So we're going to pay a consulting company three times more than what that fucking position salary is to, to just give us bodies to do that job. So you're just doing a federal employee's job. That's pretty much it. What have you learned? Well, one, most of the reason government sucks is because of boomers. The vast majority. I'm not even joking about that. The vast majority of why. No, that's that's true. That's that's just full on. Like that's just how government works now. But yeah. isn't that true of pretty much anything? Like yes, it's, it's it's especially true in government. So here's my here's my running theory on it: is that every boomer decided that they wanted to they wanted to be a petty tyrant of their own kingdom. Whatever, however tiny that fiefdom needed to be, that's fine. And so every single boomer in government carved out some small niche where it's like, if you want to get this form done, you have to go to this one lady. And she's the only one in the fucking government who knows how to do this one form. And you have to grovel and scrape in order to get this past this one tiny bureaucratic hurdle. And every single boomer does that. Is it the only stuff they do? No, but it's the only thing they care about. Everything else, they're totally disconnected. They offer nothing except when they get to fuck you. That's when they're super, super into it. And that. They love that shit. Totally disconnected and offering nothing until they can fuck you. Just at me next time. <laughs> yeah. That's generally when I'm into it too, Brett. What are you trying to say? I, I blame the boomers for a lot, but they they are why government's horrifically bad. The younger generation in government is uh, honestly surprisingly decent. No, usually very enthusiastic, very like idealistic still, but they get crushed yeah. by the system that... Like it's it is the boomers. It is these like petty tyrants that are so ingrained in the bureaucracy, but also like just the system itself just kind of crushes you. You can't really change anything. You can't really yep. you can't do anything really. And then you're just burnt out and you're dead and you're being being paid a salary that you can't even really get housing even near the government you're working in. And like you just have no energy to fucking do anything. And it just kills you. Like municipal work is designed to like crush your soul. Federal is pretty close to that as well from what I saw. I can imagine. Uh, every time I got to work with the younger employees, it was perfectly pleasant. Everybody's on the same page. They, they genuinely care deeply about the mission. But that's who I worked with. And I did um, analytics and strategy work. <laughs> strategy and government am i right anyway subscribe to my facebook page <laughs> boomerjokes.facebook uh, for minions and government jokes ahoy i'm interested in that thing you said the other day we were talking brett and you sort of set out what was so dispiriting and yet sort of made socialism so urgent in your mind uh the idea that like you do everything right like in a like white supremacist way you've done everything that you were called on to do and it still like did not lead to any sort of satisfaction or meaningful work do you know what i'm talking about yeah so rob and i like compare notes constantly um because i i'm an idiot and i have been trying to follow the rules in our garbage system um fully recognize i'm stupid as fuck for that that's why i joined the military instead of doing crime should have just done crime uh that's why i Got a master's degree. I got an MBA, not because I give a fuck about business, but because it was a broad degree and I could get a better job. And uh, I spent the entire MBA telling people I was there to not be poor. And they all thought I was joking and I was not. Um, and then I took the consulting job because I was like, well, that 
one, I can learn about the government, which is something I actually am interested in. And two, uh, I'll get paid enough that like I won't be poor and I can pay down some debt and hopefully get to a point where like I'm not miserable anymore. Uh, fun news. That's not how that works. <laughs> um, having now done professional class stuff for a while, everyone is in various states of panic yeah. that the floor will fall out from under them at any moment and they'll be forced to live on the streets. This is like Ivy League kids saying this too. Uh, everyone These is are the most comfortable with- people. The most yes. comfortable people in America feel precarity and panic. The most so comfortable like, people who work for a living, yes. So, so what are we? Who is the system really working for? Exactly, <laughs> and it's and it's so so much of that system, the the uh, professional class system, is is designed to get you to kill yourself to get to the very top where you could actually be safe. Which, by the way, is not even true. If you recall, no, it's the, not. If you crawled the great recession uh they had a black monday at the vault law firms where everyone got cut partners everyone i mean people were jumping out of windows so like the dream that no 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 it's it's the next level is where you're going to be happy it's the next level where you're going to be comfortable that's a really good way to get people to uh feel afraid and work really hard it's almost like someone's doing it on purpose you know I was going to say that one of the reasons I wanted to go into healthcare was just because, like, there will always be need for that. And even if, like, it turns into, you know, the country is run by the Army Corps of Engineers, they'll need people, you know, inoculating soldiers or whatever. Brad, it's so cute that you think that's what you're doing. Like, <laughs> you are 100% the guy that they're going to send forward with the mustard gas. Sorry, he's the only <laughs> one qualified to handle it. Good luck, Brad. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, by all metrics, I've been doing what you're supposed to do and I am quote unquote have been quote unquote successful in it. And, uh, every step it's just been miserable. I, um, I spend a lot of time, tr- well, honestly, trying to radicalize people I work with. That's kept me afloat. Quite frankly, uh, doing the podcast was literally to keep me from killing myself for a while. Cause I was so fucking depressed yeah. and lonely. Um, so it's, it's a miserable existence, but I spent you hear that, so people? much these riffs save lives. <laughs> Put that on your Apple laptop. <laughs> Every uh, time you don't hit the like button on this, Brett gets closer to ending it all. <laughs> One cheeseburger at a time. <laughs> That's true of most e-girls, though. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the kind of the kind of inculcation you get to to when you're doing the professional class shit is fascinating. Uh, so the MBA, I went to Maryland, which was honestly pretty good. The reason I, I went at all, I was super concerned with it being hyper douchey because um, it's an MBA. Like, why wouldn't it be? And uh, the reason I went to Maryland is because it wasn't. Um, it's much more like regular ass people just trying to get better jobs, which, okay, yeah, no, I get that. Uh, and we had a negotiations class and that was my favorite class by far that I, that we took because it was just fascinating. But there's a point at which they talk about um, the asymmetry, uh, asymmetric information, right? Like so much of negotiations is just based on who has the most information. And one of the like little scenarios they give is, uh, okay, so you're looking for a house in this neighborhood and you know about how much it costs. Like let's say the average home in this neighborhood is like 400K. Uh, totally unrealistic in literally any city in America. 
Um, so the average costs like 400 K and you're looking and you're looking and you're looking. And then you see this house. Some, some guy puts out a, a sign in front of his lawn and it's this old man and he's selling it for 250 or 200, right? Like half the average price. And it's a nice house. There's nothing wrong with it. What do you do? Do you, and, and the teacher gives three options. Do you tell him, um, do you offer a price that's midway between the average and what he's asking for? Uh, or do you just take that fucking thing and run? And I was one of two people to say, like, of course, you tell the old man, you don't rip him off. That's fucking evil. Um, I was one of the only two people in the class to say, <laughs> tell the old man. And the other girl who has spent her entire life teaching underprivileged youth um, and just was trying to get into nonprofit education work, kept going. I'm shocked that Brett's agreeing with me because... Uh, you can look at my profile pic now. I look like a fucking business wing Republican to absolutely everyone I've ever met. And so it was it was fascinating discussion because it was a whole lot of people saying, well, them not having the information is their fault. Yeah, but that's also a way to like get rid of responsibility. You know what I mean? Oh, hundred like, percent. Which yeah, is what I told them. Yeah, the idea that if you you know you 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 just did enough research or you read enough Wikipedia articles, you'd be able to accurately purchase health care for yourself at well, a, a market rate or something like that. Capitalism is it, it tends towards this strange abdication of ethics in which if you're you're just pursuing the maximum profit, you're actually being the most ethical and it's fucking horrifying the results like you, you get these like policy psychopaths who are like yeah the old man should have known the most information to do the most ethical thing which is to price his house at the right point oh i was just gonna say the whole capital thing it's just creating a new ethical dimension where you can exist you know because if you frame the problem as you're a leader and these shareholders are all they're they've all really staked themselves on you and you leading them to profits and you have a fiduciary obligation responsibility to these people so the ethically right thing is to make sure the quarterly earnings are good you're really serving a population and if you put it in that container and have not another original thought for your entire life <laughs> it kind of makes sense but that is systematically the same as being like you know what these guys on the death squad they're counting on me. So I, I need to round up as many people as possible because that's the right thing to do for my guys. Like it's absolutely morally bankrupt, but it's astonishing how many people either truly believe it or are willing to pretend they do because of the uh, outward benefits. So I'm not surprised that you had a negotiation class that's just like, if they're dumber than you, kill them. <laughs> There's a few big issues within the professional class that I honestly don't know how to solve. One of those is the way they get everybody to do evil shit so let's say Deloitte uh, has contracts with CBP and ICE, which they do. That's publicly available information. Don't sue me, Deloitte. If they have contracts with CBP and ICE and you decide to work on that consulting project, how do you like morally deal with what the fuck is happening? And the way and I've seen, I saw this in the military, too. The way everyone does it is the, you immediately distance yourself. I'm a small cog in a big machine. Um, nobody's actually using my work. Like it doesn't matter what I do. And then and then my favorite, which is I don't work in the evil part. Right? I, I'm I'm in the accounting department for the meat grinding facility. I don't actually grind people up in a meat. So what I'm doing isn't evil. And I'm just, you know, I'm just doing the job over here in the corner. The Albert um, Spear defense. Yep. 
Yeah, I was going to say, Heinrich Himmler probably didn't actually execute many people personally. But I'm going to go ahead and say it. I'm sorry if I take flack for this. Not a cool dude. Fuck. <laughs> bold. Bold. And Mason's in Austria right now. Wow. Wow. <laughs> if we're going to continue having this conversation, just please call it Lesser Poland. It's, it's been irritating me and I haven't spoken up yet. <laughs> Austria-Hungary knows in their hearts. <laughs> But yeah, that's a big hurdle is that uh, they're not necessarily evil people, but they're working in a system that does a really great job of letting them um, rationalize their work in this tiny compartmentalized setting in which they don't ever have to see the outputs, right? It's a sort of banality of evil thing. Right, and but that was a, that was the uh, how the banks were described in Grapes of Wrath, right? Like they yeah. were just this this monster that was taking over the farmlands, but it was like the individual parts were you know completely innocuous, and they were like, oh, this is just the secretary taking calls, and this is just the teller collecting money. Exactly. But at the end of the day, like all the farmers have lost their you know their livelihoods, or all the subprime brokers in fucking Florida. They're like, look, yes. systems fucked. Like honestly, if I don't do it, someone else is gonna do it. And technically, I'm getting people nice homes for at least a little bit. So, yeah, I'm going to keep doing it. I'm making money. I'm providing for my family. That's a pretty ethically good thing to do. So there you go. And, and Brett, before we, before we move on, uh, this sort of informed your idea about entryism, right? Sorry, I, I, I hate to pardon my ignorance, but give us a quick like two-sentence entryism explanation for idiots like me. Entryism is the idea that you can enter into an institution and take it over rather than building from the ground up your own organization. So like if a bunch of trots, and this is what trots do, if a bunch of trots enter the North Brooklyn DSA at a critical mass, like they're talking to people, they're, they're moving people a little bit to their side, you know, they're seeing where the vulnerabilities are. And eventually you look up and it's a year and a half later and there's a big vote and now the DSA is just like, hardcore and a smoking weed and beach balls and that's a now it's a trot organization i think entryism doesn't particularly work because at the end of the day you still think you're changing the system from the inside which to me is fucking idiotic it just doesn't work the only way you can change a large-scale system is if you are there during an inflection point you have a ton of power within the system for whatever reason like you've just networked well you have built a little mini organization that's those things are super hard to do, by the way. That's not an easy thing to do. And you have outside pressure backing the reforms that you're trying to push. Right. right. That's that's insanely difficult to pull off. And the entire time you're there, the organization, any large system will slowly wear away your sharp edges and pull you towards whatever their status quo is. There's a there's like, you know, you can't change it from the inside. But there has been like there was some article and I, I don't have it handy. I can look it up where they were saying like, oh, the new leftist anarchist thing is like people, you know, learning to farm. <laughs> and like, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Like, no, it's not. I think it's pretty cool. I've grown. I mean, I have a, a small garden on my patio. It's very nice. I enjoy it. It brings me some amount of joy. But everyone talks about that whole thing. Like, why don't all the leftists move to like you know Boise, Idaho? And um, why don't we? I don't know. I, don't I mean, because you still have to have the capital to purchase the land and the equipment. But yeah. it, that's that's not working within the system. That's actively trying to escape it. 
Uh, yeah, I'm not trying to move to Boise so that they only have to send like one drone to take out the entire leftist <laughs> movement. But no, e- even if you, even if you start like a commune or a co-op, you're still working within a capitalist system. You're not escaping it. You're just creating a microcosm in which you're you're yep. individually escaping like a capitalist dynamic with those around you. But you're still working within a capitalist system. You're still selling to other capitalists. You're still like dealing with that paying taxes you're still paying taxes yeah all that shit you're not you're not you're not disconnected yeah exactly like you're not fully disconnected but we're talking about like entryism and like you can't change from the inside like what was fdr's motivation for the civil rights act that destroyed the republican uh, the democratic party right it set them back they lost two presidential elections because of that and then they then i mean really they lost what four of five because or no, five of six because Carter won one in between Nixon, Nixon, Reagan, Reagan, G or G H Bush, like that was like th- that. There was no pressure from the Democratic Party to do that. There was pressure from the African American voting bloc, but the rest of that Democratic machine did not want that at all. Yeah, I mean, I'll say so. The you're not going to change the system from the inside is for basically every regular person because it's so so hyper rare. It's equivalent of being like, well, I'm going to win the lotto. Like, no, you're not. Like, you're not going to win the lotto. Let's start with that baseline. Yeah. And then pointing to the few people who did doesn't make my statement any less accurate, right? Like, you're basically pointing out the exceptions that prove the rule kind of thing. And by the way, uh, you don't win the lotto because you earn it. So you yep. could work two jobs, wake up early, stay late. Bloomberg, as in Mayor Bloomberg, literally gave a speech that I was at where he said, I, you know, people ask me how I made it. I said... No bathroom breaks. I'd get to work uh, earlier before any of the partners, and I'd make sure I was the last one in the office. And, you know, I wanted to make sure anytime someone walked by, they're like, there's Bloomberg doing his work. So I, I would hold it in for 13, 14 hours. He said this at a speech. Like, that's a sort <laughs> oh of God. derangement that people have in terms of the meritocracy. And that's just not how it works. It has, your inputs have very little uh effect on your outputs I, I think the lotto comparison is apt yeah exactly and so and, and so in the fdr situation if we're talking about an inflection point great depression in world war ii yeah okay and literally socialism rising and eugene v debs pressuring the system right so he took advantage of it partly for his own power play uh which he did a few different times um but partly to compromise the system and keep it intact right like he's he status quoted it he tried to make a compromise to keep the status quo largely in effect. So I, I mean, so that's why some of it was good because some of the compromises are with socialists. It's compromising with socialism. So inevitably, some of those things will be good for us. But yeah, I, I don't want to fucking another compromise. But that's what right. to be people fair, within to, the system if, are trying to get. To be fair to FDR, like he had more plans, but you know, he fucking did. the scourge of summer got him, and he died from polio. Like, well, he also had what 18 years 16 years there was a war they had to deal with that <laughs> fdr apologists over here um, <laughs> why didn't fdr just talk to the nazis they probably love seinfeld too <laughs> oh my god but yeah so my plan is to do this full time we'll do video stuff and i'm going to do school to get the gi bill so since i'm doing school and the military is paying for it, i've got some related stories for that this week uh, first, let me let me do bad news first. Uh, so the military, the army specifically recently met recruiting goals. This is rare. The army almost never meets recruiting goals. And they met them way before the year is over. And the way they did it was by focusing and hammering 
on student loans. Here's a good quote for you. Uh, based on his experiencing visiting, based on his experience visiting 30 to 40 recruiting stations this year, the eventual outcomes of wars abroad are not really part of the discussion between potential soldiers and their recruiters, uh, Major General Frank Muth said. Uh, he's the head of Army Recruiting. So what they did was they uh, reoriented their recruiting to not talk about the wars, which if you don't know what recruiters do, that means they're just full on lying to people. Um, they're just telling them they're not going to get deployed. I can guarantee you that is what is happening because that is what they do. Uh, and instead, they're hammering on student debt. And so that's how they've managed to meet the recruiting goals. They also dropped the recruiting goals, so it's not quite as bad as it seems. And uh, Vice had a good article about this. They, they brought this dude who works on um, debt, uh, debt relief and public policy on that front. And he had this great, great quote that uh, debt's a form of social control. You can force people to do all kinds of things if you put them in debt first, yeah. including waging unjust wars, killing, hurting others. And risking their own life and limbs. It's just like the mortgage or, you know, having your 401k have company contributions or something like that. Right. It, may, it puts like your your future in the ta on the table and makes you less likely to, you know, rise up. <laughs> I mean, the healthcare system does that as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, if they gave us universal healthcare, no one would join the military. If they gave us universal school. No one would join the military. It's just a recruiting method. This is what I've been saying. Like material conditions are a lot of why people join the military. Please stop assuming they're all evil imperialists. Like, so this is a direct quote from the army talking about we basically abuse people's material conditions to convince them to join. Great, awesome. Yeah. So if you fix some of those conditions, they wouldn't be in the fucking military. Oh, and the more depressing thing about that is there is you know say you have this GI Bill, this precious thing that you've spent three or four years you know in the military trying to get to. There's an entire entire industry designed around taking that from you oh and God, giving you God. fucking nothing in return, giving you yep. like the University of like Phoenix Online or Liberty University or any of these fucking schools that have an entire streamlined process to take that GI Bill. Fill out your FAFSA, not your FAFSA, whatever the military equivalent is, and just like, okay, congratulations, you are a student. Your online courses start in September. You are going to get your BA in like management science or whatever the fuck, you know, restaurant engineering or something like that. Brad, some of those are actually a good deal. Like a bad school would not give away a Dodge Charger when you sign up. You know what I mean? Like they must be doing something right. You know they let them on base too, right? To recruit oh, for those God. schools, because the schools do the same thing that a lot of consulting firms do, which is if you want to get into a certain uh, organization, especially within the government, what you do is you watch for people retiring. So let's say the colonel who runs that base is retiring, and you haven't been able to get on base yet. You hire that colonel, and now he's your front man. And now you get into the base. The colonel introduces all the salespeople to E1s, E2s, E3s. He's like 19, 20 year old kids. And now they get to they get a direct access to recruit directly, which no other school gets. You know, what's great is uh, in a lot of jurisdictions that is literally against ethics laws. That's, you know, the revolving door. Yes. That name comes from the law that is supposed to explicitly stop that. But uh, I guess DOD, you know, go hog wild. When I was in the military, so Air Force weather runs all weather forecasting for every single plane in the Air Force and every single base in the Army. Well, aren't and you fancy? Wow. The, the reason I'm explaining this is the guy at the top who runs all of this shit, this general, he retires. 
He starts a weather company uh, that has a specific suite of software. He sells it back and then he gets hired back into his old general position as a contractor. Cool. It's good work if you can get it. That's literally why we have ethics laws. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, the GI Bill thing is, uh, for those who don't know, it's an amazing program if you can get it. Uh, I'd love for everybody to have the same thing. They've done multiple studies, by the way, which shows that they get way, way, way more economic output from getting people those degrees than they ever spend on uh, giving them the free education in the first place. So that's cool. And the GI Bill uh, covers tuition, in-state tuition. Private schools is where it gets weird. And then they give you a housing stipend, so which is based off of your zip code. So like in New York, it's a decent chunk of money. And it's all prorated, yada, yada. But like if you if you cut a little bit and you're tight about your expenses, you can live off of it. It's pretty great. What, what an amazing program. Remember when we used to do stuff like that? And like, obviously, we don't remember because it was like the 1940s and 50s. Like, what a, what a wonderful program that is. So that one's from um, early 2000. And you know who didn't vote for that? John fucking McCain. It's just amazing that there are people who are like anti-GI Bill when like fucking Marius from the Roman legions was pro-GI Bill. <laughs> like how regressive do you have to be? You should be pro-GI Bill because it's a model for how free college can work and how successful it can be. Like you should just take that entire system and give it to everybody because it works crazy fucking well and it forces a lot of private schools to bring their costs down. Real fast. It's who really was, fucking good. Who was Marius's nephew? Anybody? I think it was I think it was your mom. Yeah, it was my mother. She's <laughs> she's 2000 years old. It was Julius Caesar. <laughs> So if you're in favor of Marius, you're in favor of dictatorship, which, I mean, on this podcast, that might. Wow. You mean someone doing a a progressive redistribution actually ended up with a tyrannical despot? What is it? The Soviet Union? (laughs) (laughs) Don't fucking at me. No. He loved to poke the tankies. Um, (laughs) But so... Uh, that's the bad news side of student loan stuff is the uh, army meeting recruiting goals because of student loans. The good news, speaking of all the free college stuff, is that we have a place to send them now because we're going to Saudi Arabia. Boom! Hell yeah. The good news, that is true, uh, but the good news is that New Mexico is actually trying to do free college for everybody in the state. Hey, and what's going on with New Mexico? Like, are they? like? I think they just, like, looked around and were like, if we have basic decency, we'll be the jewel of the Southwest. <laughs> yes. Honestly, that is what seems to have happened. They they had a they had a few of the Democrats get replaced by actual progressives, and now suddenly they're trying interesting shit. It's crazy. They, they, they're starting an ethics board. There was yeah. no a lot of these Western states are like we're the Wild West. Bribes are actually cool here, and New Mexico, since they've had progressives get in, are actually doing things to better their state through government. It is honestly a uh, uh, shocking. It's it's amazing to see. This is the best system by far that anybody's passed in a state. The idea is uh, they're funding. So you'll apply for normal financial aid, Pell Grants, that kind of thing, and, the, and scholarships. Whatever's left, the state will cover, right? So it'll be, it'll be the last stop. You'll get their funding in order to get tuition. And what I like about this one um, is it is not means tested. Everybody gets it if you're an in-state resident. Like New York has passed something recently, but there's this sort of means tested. And, you know, it's like if if you qualify and you get all these things, then maybe we'll give you in-state tuition and it'll be mostly free. And this is none of that. It's whatever's left, we will cover if you're in-state. 
period. And the way they plan on funding this, this is the part that's less great. Uh, they're funding it from all of the revenue they get from oil production because, uh, yeah, they're part of the Permian Basin, which crosses uh, West Texas and New Mexico. And so uh, they've been seeing like really good revenue from that, which... That's so I mean, good. I guess you're putting it to a good cause, I suppose. I guess, but that that is so emblematic of this like social democratic compromise that always happens. And you're like, yeah, we can have all these awesome programs, but we also have this hyper exploitation of whatever, it, hyper exploitation of the global south, hyper exploitation of the environment in this case. It's just not a permanent solution. It's not, but it's good to see this get put in place because... Broad breast programs like this are the kind of things that once people get access to them, they don't tend to ever go away. This yeah. is also the argument against means testing. Not only does means testing make it harder for people to figure out what they get access to, you're just putting unnecessary barriers, but it also makes it easier to dismantle, right? Because you just add more and more barriers over time because they already exist. If everybody gets access to something, adding any barrier at all is noticeable. So it becomes much, much harder to remove over time. So this was cool to see. Uh, they did actually interview this dude I, and I see this argument fucking everywhere now when it comes to free college tuition. Uh, and he said, there's a risk that wealthier students will benefit the most in the program since there are no oh, income requirements. When you have limited state dollars, I would argue, argue that we should target those dollars towards those who struggle the most to pay. Right, And, they, and no, no reporter ever just asks, explain what you mean by that, sir. Like, <laughs> explain how you think that rich people will benefit more from a system that benefits people that, you know, can't afford these usurious loans or all these ridiculous tuition fees. Explain that for us, please. And they're just His like, you're, you're, you're allowed to say that and then just like go to the bar. Oh, yeah. But this is good news. New Mexico is going to have free college tuition, which means at least individual states are starting to push this. So this went from a completely insane, quote unquote, pie in the sky idea, what, three years ago now to like now states are actually trying to do it. Uh, uh, New Mexico, if I'm not mistaken, is also one of the states that will forgive medical um, student loan debt if you come work there. Oh, like like awesome. Maine is also does that. Like if you if you move to whatever fucking cities they have in Maine, I don't know, um, and you're willing to work in medicine, they'll just say like, yeah, we got your loans. Don't worry. You work here for four years or so. That's awesome. It's it's. I mean, appealing. ideally, you don't have the debt in the first place, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so well, move from education to some Silicon Valley shit. I want to talk about WeWork for a minute. Partly because I think it's super emblematic of the larger Silicon Valley issue right now. But WeWork has been, for those who don't know, WeWork is, uh, has pitched itself as a tech company, which is insane because what it does is it leases office space or retail space, and then it turns around and resells that to people so that you can get like temporary office space or like a quote unquote co-working space is the term that they like to use a lot. Yeah, but there's Ikea, there's Ikea furniture there. Brett. Oh boy. Yeah. So basically they're just a really well marketed real estate firm from all I can tell. And so they've been private. They've been taking tons of uh, VC money. They, you know, they've been doing the normal Silicon Valley thing. Right. And so they were trying to do an IPO and uh, they had to pull the IPO this week and they're going to wait another like four or five months. And I want to talk a little bit about why uh, when they were filing for the IPO, people actually got to look at their books. And so all of these insane stories started coming out as people started digging through their financials. First one is that the guy at the top is named Newman, and he is the CEO of WeWork. Uh, he's 39 now. And so he's also 
the largest shareholder, and he has total voting control over the company. Uh, and what he's done with that is every time WeWork goes to an office space and says, like, hey, we want to lease this, he will go uh, on his own individually and buy a piece of that organization or that real estate so that he is his company is renting from himself. And he's done that a lot, a lot, a lot. So he owns or partially owns almost every single building that they rent. Uh, then he uh, decided that he wanted to rebrand WeWork into like We Company, but he had already trademarked that title individually, which allowed him to charge WeWork uh, $6 million in order to buy the We Company trademark from him. That's good work if you, that's good work if you can get it. As far as I can tell, he's operating the company as, as a pass-through to launder money to himself. Part of me is kind of like, this is kind of praxis. You're just stealing from VCs. <laughs> that's all that's happening here. Radical communist action is starting a fucking stupid as shit uh, <laughs> tech company <laughs> and then just taking a shit ton of money, uh, laundering it, doing nothing with it, taking that money, pouring it into like artisanal espresso machines and just fucking leaving with millions of dollars. That is what praxis is about. If you haven't seen Sorry to Bother You, by the way, definitely see that movie. Has anyone yes. here not seen it? Oh, so good. It's just about WeWork. That's it's exactly. just, it it yes. is just about WeWork. It's not even like different from WeWork. It's like a little more silly than WeWork, but just WeWork. Not by much. Not by much. Uh, but yeah, so WeWork, uh, not only is he just straight up robbing from the VCs. They have the exact same problem that all the other big uh, startups have that are trying to do IPOs or have done them recently. So same problem that DoorDash, Lyft, Uber, uh, they're just losing billions of dollars every year. So they're supposed to lose more than a billion dollars this year alone. Uh, and there's this really amazing Atlantic article about like how the IPO just failed. And uh, the quote was, if you wake up on a, Ca a Casper mattress, hail a Lyft to get to your desk at WeWork, Use DoorDash to order lunch to the office, hail another lift home, and have Uber Eats bring you dinner. You have spent your entire day interacting with companies that will collectively lose $13 billion this year. <laughs> also, you're a fucking piece of shit. Yeah, well, yeah no, that's, that's kind that's of a, a given, though, right? terrible lifestyle. <laughs> I'd fucking suck a bullet in an instant if that's how I was living. I know so many of these people. An app that will help you kill yourself. <laughs> If you if you interact, buddy, that's with, Tinder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the the insanity of a system that can sustain these companies that lose so much fucking money. So that's sort of the thing. They can't sustain it. They like can't. this is all. It's it's going to crash the entire economy Fuck. because these. This is where all the investment money is going. And so the minute that they're forced to actually like go to their books and mark all of these investments down. Everything's going to be fucked. Uber has lost 50% off their valuation <laughs> since they went public. And they're going to lose $8 billion by themselves this year. That's I practice. wish we could have seen this coming. You know, like, <laughs> I, I, I wish there was some sort of indicator that, like, a dot-com bubble could arise and, and then burst. That's never, that's never happened before. So how could we possibly tell that it would happen again? So Which is like, middlemanning in digital spaces might not necessarily be the the be all end all of innovation I don't, I don't know one of the best parts about uber trying to prop its value up to these investors is all the different little programs that they're going to try to do 
to like make themselves valuable once they have like all this market penetration. And the like the sickest fucking thing is that they're in the f- car finance business now. So essentially, oh, yeah. if some poor schmuck in Atlanta thinks he's going to make, you know, 70K a year working as an Uber driver, he is going to take a loan from Uber to buy a car that they're not going to pay any kind of maintenance on or insurance, and he's going to pay them part of his salary to just drive people around to, like, go fucking to, you know, wherever you go in Atlanta. He can use his Uber bucks at the Uber store and show his Uber pride while eating gruel. (laughs) Realize I said he, uh, women can also be exploited. (laughs) Okay. Wait, what was her name again? The crazy girl from Theranos? Oh, uh, Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes. You don't ever ever talk that way about my future wife. Look, if Anna Delvey doesn't work out, I need to fall back. <laughs> to the girl that doesn't blank and wears Steve Jobs' uh, turtleneck. And intentionally Stop, uses a deeper a public voice forum. To, 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 to appear more confident and masculine. Oh! <laughs> She's, uh, she actually, if you made the argument that she her entire uh, career was designed to bilk money from rich people, I'd believe it. She seems like it's Ripped all Ripped off Henry Kissinger. That's more than I've ever done with my life. Anyway, hit me up. You know what my Twitter and is. And multiple generals. She she stole oh, from yeah. a bunch of journalists too. Yep. Mattis. Oh my goodness. It's, it's Since I've seen your boyfriend. You can do better. <laughs> hey, we're gonna be able to do three hundred blood tests in a machine the size of a shoebox. Does that cool. sound? We, yeah. we will take no questions from medical people. <laughs> yeah, don't worry about it. It fucking works. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> 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 like the best part of the documentary about her on uh, HBO is she went to when she was like 19 and she had this idea of a magical box that could tell you everything before people gave her money for this. Like she had a professor who was like works in the medical industry and just looked at her and said, this is not physically fucking possible. And she was like, she you know knew. what? She persisted. Yeah. She per- <laughs> <laughs> uh, but so the investor class, uh, uh, idea behind all of these insane investments is that so now you're no longer making money hand over fist by investing in uh, Facebook, Amazon, Google, Apple, uh, because they've they've kind of reached their peak. They've maxed out. Right. Yeah. So they're still there's they're still no, making there's money. There's no new iPhone. There's no yes. new iPhone. Coming. They're still making a ton of money, but they're not doing anything so brand new that you're going to get like a 6x return or 10x or whatever fucking bullshit they're looking for. And so they went, well, wouldn't it be cool if uh, these people who are going to totally remake like uh, our cities and our, our public settings, what, what if we invested in them? And if some part of you is screaming internally when you hear that, it's because you just thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we just invested that in public infrastructure through public funding and just, just built a better fucking city and a better... F- no, shut the fuck up, Brett. We gotta invest in fucking. <laughs> we gotta invest in fucking like, critical support. WhatsApp for your dog. We gotta invest in fucking like something to spy on the nanny that's like taking care of your two terrible children that you fucking hate. That's what we gotta do. We can't have fucking trains. We can't have fucking healthcare. We gotta have this bullshit. So what? Look, I don't trust government to do infrastructure. Okay, I trust Uber. The company that has those great Guy Fieri commercials. <laughs> but it's it's so insane if you look at it. So what is happening is the wildly wealthy are investing money in companies that are supposed to make normal day-to-day public life and public infrastructure better, who then steal that money for their own personal enrichment. And then they all turn around and say, how dare you tax us so that you can use it to build public infrastructure? 
what? Just like, <laughs> God damn it. This just redistribute that money. Like, like taxing the fuck out of them is like the very, it's not even the solution. It's just like a bandaid on the fucking system, but they won't even let that happen. Oh, literally. They won't even let us fucking resolve the moderate tensions that oh, like, yeah. emerge in the system. It's fucking ridiculous. By the way, this should be all the proof you need that private investment is not more efficient than government. Shut the fuck up with that stupid fucking idea. I'm looking at you, neolibs and technocrats. <laughs> I hate that so much. Oh, well, a private, not a private sector is more efficient. No, it absolutely fucking is not. You're not truly free unless you can pick between 20 brands of tomatoes on your supermarket shelf. Oh That's what freedom's about. It's so, it's so insane. Uh, Nancy Pelosi is going to save us from this, <laughs> from this Silicon Valley induced hellscape that we live in. Do not worry, it's the worst friends. Fucking sentence I've ever heard. Check out, check out my, check out my blog post at defendthedems.moveon.org. <laughs> Horse whisperer, is that you? Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of sort of like horrifying Silicon Valley stuff. Here's another fun story about the WeWork thing that came out from all this stuff. So the WeWork CEO, this guy, Adam, I think it's Adam Newman. He had this all hands meeting after he had a fire. He had to lay off like hundreds of staff. And I was like, why it's a necessary move? What's going on? And so you think like, it's all okay. It's going to be somber. It's going to suck. And then trays of tequila started getting passed out. Mm. And then... As you do. And then DMC mm. from Run DMC popped into the room <laughs> and started playing It's Tricky. <laughs> tricky, 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 tricky. You get fired and then they celebrate me. with a concert on your way out. Oh, that's more than most people get, to be fair. Yeah, you know what? Well, it's not for the Fuck fired it. people. It's I'd, for everybody I'd else. Rather have, I'd rather have tequila shots and DMC from Run DMC give me that shot than like just get fired and like have to clear up my desk. Oh, good, because that's your severance. So I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in New Zealand, if someone's about to get fired, they let him invite a person into the office with him as like a support person. Did you guys see this story? <laughs> yeah, the clown. And the guy the brought a clown, clown who just sat there and made <laughs> balloon animals the entire time. <laughs> that's so fucking cool. That honestly is. I haven't seen a clown doing support like that since Brett played Crystal Maiden in Dota 2. Hey, the people that get this are going to appreciate it. <laughs> but yeah, so every part of the Silicon Valley bubble is horrifying. It is going to pop. It absolutely is going to be part of this next, honestly, depression that we're going to be in. Damn, I haven't seen a more depressing bubble pop since Hyuna put out her video. <laughs> so Flo It's a 2011 K-pop <laughs> reference. Again, I have to hit my core constituencies. Continue. I will shut the fuck up. <laughs> So Florida, for those who don't know, they decided that really the solution to, to uh, gun violence in schools is to give guns to teachers. We're not going to comment on that for a second. But so what has actually been happening with that? Well, they keep giving body armor and Glocks. That's not exaggerating. They're giving Glocks and body armor to uh, <laughs> certain teachers, including substitute teachers, which feels like an odd choice. And uh, the teachers keep pawning them for gas money. <laughs> And this is like the third time this has happened. They only just started doing this too. And uh, half of the teachers just keep selling it to get money because they're not paid enough to live. That's the most fucking uniquely American, beautiful story I've ever heard. That is so 
just Florida, the idea of some guy who has like 4,000 hours in Arma 3 coming to your elementary school and trying to explain the Mozambique drill, and you're just like, <laughs> wait, what's the MSRP on this bad boy? <laughs> <laughs> I can take this home? Like, seriously? <laughs> yeah, but bring it back, like, you know don't sell it hi instructor i'm i'm uh i'm really more comfortable with the sig sour msrp <laughs> double so uh for the kids i need you to give me one of those also night vision in case i'm doing night classes <laughs> do you guys have tanks because i could defend the fuck out of these kids while teaching them about the fertile crescent and you know it's the thing because of gun laws in Florida, you're actually not that safe in a tank because pretty much everyone has RPGs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it does get more Florida, though, for this particular guy, if you guys want to hear it. Uh, so he, this guy, Eric Russell, he pawned the body armor, the magazines, and the gun. The reason they found out was because he was being questioned by detectives for his second domestic abuse assault that he committed. Oh, my God. Uh, he'd been a teacher through this because, you know, that's that's who you want teaching cool. your kids. Yeah, it's shaping the future. Yeah. So uh, I'm not going to call this guy a hero, but that little bit of selling the guns <laughs> was praxis. Yeah, everything else involved in this is fucking just horrifying, like all Florida things. This Florida, temper your expectations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, so material conditions always went out over everything else, including First Amendment bullshit. Second Amendment bullshit, excuse me. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. You're get ready for all the tweets. I got to I got to pull in my pocket constitution when I'm on this pod. My bad, guys. Easy there, Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, everyone. Well, thanks for listening. Um, uh, me and Rob will be doing these live from uh, now on. So expect there's going to be a lot more content. So um, just sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Prepare yourselves. But so this has been Brett at Relentless Board, Rob at Dumb and Awful, Fed Brad at Fizz Fashizzle, Fizz Fashizzle, Nailed it. Uh, and Mason at Zizek Thotty. You can uh, <laughs> pop into our Discord and bullshit with us during the day uh, or join us playing Dota because that's something we do for some unknowable fucking reason. Join our Patreon. We do bonus content of which uh, a lot more will be coming shortly. Anytime you want to support us and you can't do any of those other things, by all means, rate us on whatever your uh, app of choice is for listening to podcasts because it helps a lot because everything's run by algorithms because this is hell. So uh, thanks for your support. We appreciate it. Thanks for listening, y'all. Have a good one. Yeah. Right, thanks, y'all. Yeah.